Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. What is the importance of belonging? And why do we all need to belong somewhere? It is built into our human nature. Learn how the powerful philosophy of Ubuntu helps to deliver a simple roadmap to building positive teams and relationships, improving engagement and performance. Get your copy of Belonging and Healing, Creating Awesomeness for Yourself and Others by Dr. Dave Cornelius on Amazon.com. So hello and welcome to the National Dr. Dave Podcast. I am Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. We are continuing the series, Resiliently You, to discover what makes people resilient, to build resilient organization, and sense belonging and healing. My guest today is Allison Pollard. She's one a good friend, someone that I enjoy speaking with, and she's on this new journey, and I can't wait, wait, wait to learn more. So welcome, Allison. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Is Thank it? you. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Nothing more. <laughs> I I I still don't remember exactly when we met. I want to say it was the Agile Gathering West many years ago. That was probably like the first place that we we came together, but I could be wrong on that. No, you're completely right. We were at that <clears throat> camp in in Southern California. Um, this old Boy Scout camp, right? And we had this Agile. Yes. Yes, that's where we met. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing you know, like an open space event with a bunch of agilists at a Boy Scout camp. <laughs> yeah, I remember the times where, you know, we would go outside and around the bonfire and marshmallows and s'mores. And yeah, yeah, that, yes. that, was, that was us. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So... I, I want an, an elevator pitch about your journey as a leader in the Agile community. Uh, you know, give me give us one of those so my people could know who you are. Uh, our people could know yeah, who you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, right? Well, um, I'm I'm Allison Pollard. I'm a coach, consultant, and trainer uh, working with helping improve. Uh, I'm actually their newest business uh, partner. I'm, I'm one of three co-owners, um, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, my Agile journey, I I just fell in love with Agile. Um, I had come from project management. I loved technology. I was always looking at how could I make things better um, for our customers? How could I make things better for the developers? How could I make things better for myself? Uh, and Agile seemed like a way of um, really being able to live into that. Uh, you know, learning about these different practices, um, you know, learning about lean after that and, and some of the principles there, uh, just getting exposed to a, a larger community, um, I think, was such a big impact in my career uh, of how could I then, like, make use of that and then continue to pay it forward. Um, we're all on a journey. We're all looking at how we can make things better. And I think by being in relationships with one another and sharing ideas and, and challenging each other, um, we can come up with ways to make things better than we could individually by ourselves. Well said. So now you're on this new adventure, you know, after working for many years for the same company, everyone 
knew Allison because she works for improving, worked for improving yeah. in the past. Tell us about this new yep. plan journey. Yeah, yeah. I, this is um this is yeah, you're right. Like I'm like, oh yeah, a long time. Like I was with improving for about eleven years. Um eleven years is unheard of, I think, in our industry. No yeah. one stays at companies for nearly that long. Um and it was it was such an incredible um, you know, way for, for me to just grow and um see the company grow. But this moment now, like I needed a change. I, I wanted to kind of get back to some of the like entrepreneurial, smaller startup um, environment that I had grown up with earlier in my career and really take more ownership of where I'm going and, and how I'm helping others. Uh, and so Jake Calabrese and Paul Tevis, um, I've known them for about a decade. And we kept intersecting uh, and like connecting at different conferences over the years. We've had um, chances to you know collaborate at some of those events. And every time that we did, it it was like that, like you get goosebumps. You're like, oh my God, that was like so amazing, so incredible. I had no idea that was possible. Uh, and so now I'm I'm super excited getting to work with them more closely to continue to provide, you know, training for you know agile essentials for teams. Uh, they have some accelerator programs for teams and, and leadership um, that I think are really incredible. Um, they launched a new a new course this year on change management, which has been an area that I've been increasingly paying attention to. It's one that we've often neglected when we talk about agile transformations. Uh, and then for next year, we're looking to debut a new course. Uh, right now, we're calling it Leading Amazing People. Uh, we're still feeling into what all that will entail, but I, I'm really excited about what it can do for the people leaders, the coaches, uh, the essential folks in organizations that are really trying to help support other employees as they do their greatest work for their customers. Sounds wonderful. I can't wait to learn more and, and hear more as you are uh, on this journey. You know, we'll be reaching out to connect yeah. with you. But talk to me about your resilience, you know, to become this well-known person by other leaders in the Agile community. <laughs> How did that come about? And tell us more about your resilience in that in that journey. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny because um, I, I, I'm not the typical leader in the sense of like, I'm not always like the front of the room, you know, the like loudest person or like the one that gets the most attention um, in a, in a gathering. Um, my style of leadership is, you know, a lot of like partnering, like from the side with someone else. Um, sometimes it's, I think of it as like leadership in the field of like, how am I listening to like what the whole like group is like wanting, and then I might be the one that gives voice to it. Uh, and, and even like leading from behind in some ways, you know, maybe like whispering in the ears of, of others um, that are in important roles in that setting. So a, a lot of like my resilience was really just recognizing like I have my own set of strengths and how do I use that? How do I continue to like show up with that uh, and engage in ways that feel healthy to me uh, in ways that I get to continue to stretch and learn, um, but, you know, get to be in relationship with other people that I, I really do get to like form some friendships um, or partnerships, you know, collaborations with other people. And so I, I think some of the resilience 
you know, early on came from recognizing some of the open space principles could be applied wherever I was. Um, so the idea of the law of mobility is the one that comes to mind the most that, you know, if you're in a, in a meeting or in a setting somewhere and you find that you're not learning or really like participating as much as you would like, go somewhere else. Uh, and recognizing like, ah, like I need to check in with myself. Like, what are my needs right now? What's my energy like? You know, perhaps I'm in a, a moment where I need some like quiet time. It'd be better for me to like go and process some things on my own. Maybe that's journaling, you know, maybe that's something else. Uh, or yeah, now this is the time that I really do feel like it'd be helpful to, to like talk things over with colleagues and like, what does that look like? Maybe it's brainstorming or maybe it's, um, you know, running a presentation in front of them and like getting their their critiques of it. Um, so being more in tune with like my own needs, I think was uh, a little bit scary, a little bit foreign, um, but like one of those essential ingredients in terms of like, how do you become resilient? It, it comes not from being so flexible and adaptable that you go along with like what everyone else wants, but it's being able to stay connected, stay grounded to what you need so that you continue to show up as a leader instead of, you know, I don't know, Gumby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so how do you define resilience in the context of leading like an organizational transformation? That takes a lot of resilience, right? It does. It does. And because again, that's like one of those areas that we know, like we're talking about an organization, like lots and lots and lots of people, lots and lots and lots of needs. We're not going to have everything like 100% right at the start, right? It's not like we have the perfect vision and then everyone just like aligns with that instantly and we like move forward with a change. There's going to be some adaptation that happens over time. But the resilience is again, like instead of thinking, okay, I now need to like put out the vision and just keep telling them and telling them and pushing and pushing and like working harder at this to make it go. It's that resilience of like, how much can I listen? How much can I step back? I want to find out, you know, like a lot of, a lot of change, I think is not so much about the tasks, the roles, the frameworks, the, the, you know, different pieces of like behavior change that need to happen. It's really like the energy of the humans themselves. And so how do you bring energy to people? How do you let them have the energy to change? Uh, and so I think that's why, again, you know, recognizing how am I participating? What are my needs? What might their needs be? Do I need to like give them some more time to process this and think it over? That needs to be okay with any kind of large transformation. You certainly might not say, hey, you can think about it like indefinitely and like, you know, get on board with it eventually. There's probably some point in time for your business where you're like, I need people that are on board here so that we can move forward. But what I'm hoping for is that it's not, I deliver a message about what the change is and like five minutes later, you need to be ready to go. Because any significant change probably needs more than five minutes for someone to get their head around. If they don't understand, you know, where this comes from, or they weren't already prepared for it, or it's going to be threatening to like their identity on some level of like how they see themselves in their job and in their career. 
So we're going to stay with the same vein of, of, of resilience, but let's talk about resilience and its importance to cultivate in a world that is volatile, uncertain, complex, and amb ambiguous, as we like to say, VUCA. You know, what about resilience in that context? <laughs> That's big, right? That's like really big. So what is that like? For sure, for sure. Well, and I, I mean, if ever the world has been at a time to show us like the full impact of VUCA, like the last couple of years, I, I feel like the headlines, you know, just got to a point of like, who is making this up? Like, who is doing this to us? It's it's as if I'm in, like, I, I think about um, like many, many years ago playing like SimCity, like build up your city and it's like all great. You got all these like buildings and people are like driving on the roads. And then at some point you're like, attack, let all the like natural disasters hit and like Godzilla is like tearing down the buildings. And somehow that was like part of the fun, at least as like a kid. <laughs> but now it feels like we're almost in that game of like, what do you mean? Like there's this like climate change stuff happening and oh yeah, yet another shooting, like not to make light yes. of that, but like this is at such a level that we're inundated with day and day and day and day and day and day that it's like, how do we, how do we show up and function? You know, that I, I think um, part of being resilient right now, at least for me, it was like giving myself a bit more grace. I, I say a bit, a lot more grace, you know, like working remotely when that hadn't been my typical work style um, like learning, like what kind of schedule I need. Uh, and, you know, now that most work is happening through a, a screen at my computer, whereas previously I was in person and a lot of it was conversational with humans in a co-located space, like this is more draining. And I had to like recognize that part of me, like being resilient was recognizing like I need to disconnect from this device sometimes. That means I need to not then be on this other device, um, but truly like be disconnected from some electronics to, you know, check my eyesight, looking at something that's more than a foot away from my face, you know, being able to, to like go out and like have some fresh air, you know, maybe take a, a walk around the, the neighborhood or, or at least just go get some fresh air out on my back patio. Um, you know, for me, I also just had you know so many like meetings i i had i would have like back-to-back -back meetings certain days and like they were usually about completely different things you know it's like certain client meetings certain leadership meetings some like mentorship like one-on-ones that i would have uh sales meetings you know interviews like you name it like all kinds of stuff on my calendar and i would find that i struggled to show up on time uh partly because certain meetings were like running over or we just hadn't really planned on like breaks in between meetings. And so I felt like I had to get into what I call like defensive calendaring of like, cool, I know this person tends to run late. So I will, I'll be okay with that. I'll, I'll just recognize that is a tendency. It's not a big deal. We might then need to run longer. So let me add a buffer after our meeting so that I at least have the availability to run long if that's what we choose to do. Um, or with certain um, clients, we'd actually start scheduling our meetings. So it'd be like five after the hour um, and like end, you know, five or 10 minutes before like the half hour of the hour. So we were like starting to build in breaks in our calendars, um, whereas most people 
might not have like figured that out because Outlook is not wasn't as great about doing that. Um, you can change your settings to make that more of the default. Um, but in order for us to stay resilient, you know, in this volatility, in the uncertainty, the complexity, the ambiguity, it's how do you stay connected to yourself? How do you continue to like keep your head on straight? Of, like, what's the agenda here? Like, what's my intention when I show up here? You know, what's the role that I'm trying to play? What's the work that needs to happen? If you're going through meeting after meeting after meeting, and they're probably not related to one another, it becomes a big messy blur, or at least it did for me. And that's where I like had to look, like take a real big step back and go, how do I plan my day differently? Can I start to have things that are like more cohesive? Can I, um, you know, again, give myself some breaks in between? And even on some level, just recognizing things are going to work at a much different pace, probably a slower pace than what I would be comfortable with. But it's, it's more honest with the reality of, you know, this is truly what's going to be feasible for us. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you brought up the buffering, right, of, of starting five minutes after, maybe finishing five minutes sooner. Um, mm -hmm. We've been trying to do this for, for decades now, right, of trying to shift that behavior yeah, as opposed yeah. to starting right at the top, finishing right at the hour, and <laughs> there's no time to get to your next meeting. So I am glad that it it is forcing us to create space, you know, and, and things, you know, mm -hmm. or, or what we were calling the lean world, a little bit of slack, right? So we could function yeah. <laughs> a lot better. Well, and and because honestly, I mean, I I could very easily, and I say this, I could very easily sit in this chair, you know, for hours after hours on end, and really just disconnect from my body, right? And try to be like, just be in my brain. And if I can think my way through these like different things I have to do. And then at some point you kind of like topple out of your chair, like, and now I need to like go eat, you know, or maybe now it's the end of the day. And that's where I find like, I'm like mush. I'm like, I, I then have like zero energy to go and like talk with my husband or figure out what we want to do for dinner or, you know, gosh, can you imagine like wanting to talk to like friends and family in the evening? Like who, who had the energy for that for a while? Yeah. Um, and I, and that's where, again, it's like, okay, what are the things that I need? And a lot of it's like being able to take breaks throughout the day. That might've been more natural if we worked in offices where you had to walk from like one conference room to another or to your desk, uh, or maybe to go and grab a coffee in the kitchen. But you had these like mini breaks um, that were required by like the geography. Uh, and now most of us, uh, if we're working remotely, don't have that, um, that same like cue. Uh, and so we have to like plan it for ourselves. We have to make it happen for ourselves. So true. So let's talk about deliver value and, and one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, how do you deliver value through agile coaching and transformation? And in answering that this question, provide a definition of what it means to you and your organization to deliver value. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is one of those spots where, like, we use that that term delivering value so often, and we don't unpack it. <laughs> We're just like, you know, it's so obvious, or like, it's just so good. Like, why would you ask me? It's good. 
Um, but I, I like that you you bring that into the forefront. You're like, no, seriously, like, tell me what is this thing? Because <laughs> um, honestly, when I, I think about delivering value, it it's like I I want to help the employees, um, you know, be more productive in their jobs. I also want them to be more satisfied in their jobs. So often when we're like working with teams, uh, like the team happiness might be one of the things that I'm I'm looking for. Um, and I certainly don't want to be like, oh, great. So the way that we're going to optimize uh, team ha- um, happiness, I'm going to order them cookies all the time. And if they have cookies and treats and all this good stuff, they'd be like so happy and like, woof, we have delivered value. Like, no, I don't think any of us believe like that's what delivering value looks like. Like, so team happiness is like one piece, but it's not the whole part of it. So obviously, if I'm looking to have happy employees, it's because I think that's going to help them be more effective in whatever like their role is, whatever their function is, how they like are producing something, creating some kind of an experience or delivering a service, um, maybe like building a, a product of some kind that you know other users, other employees, like other customers um, are going to be consuming or, or using themselves. So are we getting better with how we're delivering something? Hopefully uh, that is true. And then for this thing that has been delivered, has that actually like made something better for their users or their customers? So like there's this whole like system at play of we can deliver value for the people that are producing the thing, like those employees um, or contractors, and that they are able to in fact deliver something better uh, and that the thing that they've delivered did help someone, um, that life cycle, I think, is how we see that value got delivered. Because um, I, I know a lot of times I would start, um, like, earlier in my career thinking about just the, you know, employee like delivery of, like, are we delivering more stuff? Are we delivering more frequently? Uh, and And, you know, making then some assumptions like, ah, well, if we're delivering more backlog items than we used to, we must be better. And it wasn't until um, a bit later that I started to see, oh, wait, we need to actually double check. Like, did the people, you know, that are our consumers, um, our, our customers, like, did they use it? You know, if they used it, did it help them? You know, like, at what point, uh, I'm trying to think, because there was a, a product years ago. It's like, awesome, we delivered that feature why are the support calls going up to like the customer center? Like, what a second, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's going to take something like, you know, like that for us to go, wait, not every backlog item is inherently value or, or maybe it is, but sometimes it's negative value and sometimes it's positive value that we need to like double check. Uh, we need to like look at that final um, bit of the equation and see how did it go? You know, what, what did people um, make of this? Did it have the intended effect, you know, for the uh, for the customers and for our business? Really cool. So, what are some tangible benefits gained by organizations, you know, when they apply agile coaching and and a transformation? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, agile agile coaching, agile transformation. You know, we often get. Um, focus on like different practices, different behaviors, maybe frameworks that we're bringing in. Um, but the tangible benefits really are 
uh, at least in my experience, you know, do you, do you have the ability to like shift direction um, based on your customer response, your customer needs, or, or maybe like what your competitors have done? Uh, you know, if your competitors like launched this like brand new feature that was like maybe way, way off in your like backlog um, that was going to be like years from now, do you have the ability to like make that your number one thing if that's what you want to do and actually like shift your team or teams to make that their new direction? When you do that, is that meaning that your teams basically have to like take whatever work they had been focused on and like discard it? <laughs> I was like, well, that was all mid, mid flight in progress and it's nowhere near the light of day. And so trash all of it or like put it on the shelf somewhere. Or are they working in ways that they are able to deliver like incrementally and like sh very short cycles that they could actually like deploy something? And basically it's, it's that like penciled down moment in like the exams we had in school. Like, all right, time's up, pencil down, turn in your, your test, turn in your deliverable at this point in time. It should be something. And then we can move on to this next thing. And when you're able to do that, you're able to, as an organization, start to see like larger um, improvements in like your revenue, your, your profitability, uh, maybe your cost savings, because instead of having teams, you know, working in isolation for like really long cycles uh, before they could get anything into the hands of a customer, they're able to do it earlier. So you start to get that value thing that we just talked about um, much you know, much sooner than you did in the past. Um, but it also means that like, because any, like any new feature, um, product, service, whatever you want to call it, it's going to have some like, you know, ooh, there's like some big hump of value and then it's going to taper off. And when you're able to see where is it tapering off, you can actually say like, let's then stop. Like, don't, let's not bother to build out the rest of this thing. Let's instead look, look for the next new idea. So we can like, again, have like a bigger curve of value that we're delivering um, and just kind of like build on that, you know, cycle after cycle, whatever that means for your organization. So, you know, I see coaching as like, how do we help people talk <laughs> to one another? How do we help them to see those opportunities? Certainly, how do we help bring in some practices that enable them to deliver in those short cycles? Uh, and, and so it's just, you know, again, Humans, <laughs> humans are very complicated, complex, difficult, challenging, awesome, and wonderful, and inspiring, and, 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 and what does it mean to bring the humans together and to help them focus, to help them align, to help them connect, um, to do awesome things? That's so good. That's so good. So let's talk about um, an experience that you had when, you know, providing agile coaching and transformation that shifted the culture of the mm -hmm. organization in, you know, an awesome way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Always, always looking for the awesome ways. Yeah. I um, I remember an organization years ago that I, I've, I've worked with them for like such a long time. Um, but like when we first started, you know, they had about 20 teams or so uh, in this like one area and they were competitive with one another. It was like, oh, we're better than that team over there. And like, we're better than them. And I was like, like, what? Okay. I, I don't totally get that. Um, especially as I like learn more of like, you're in the same code base. 
that on this like you know competitive vibe uh you know it felt a little bit like high school dramas to me in some ways but I was like I'm cool with that like I'm I'm gonna like take that judgment and like plant it over there like don't need that that can get thrown away I was like, all right, so you all got this like way that you interact or like kind of not interact across all the teams, but you're in the same code base. Um, and then I also started to see that, uh, you know, they would be very focused on their individual projects or like their individual like um, product feature sets, you could say. Uh, and yet there would be these areas of dependencies and like intersections between them. Even if it wasn't like a clear, hey, I'm on a team and Dave, you're on a team you need to build a thing for me to consume it so I can then deliver the such and such. Like that would be a very obvious kind of dependency. It would be um, sometimes ones that were a little bit harder to, to spot or like harder to forecast of like, ooh, you and I are working in like a similar area of the code base and we have different designs um, that we need for the, um, for the separate features that we're creating. And so we might actually have like a collision that happens in the code base uh, that like should prompt us to come together and be like, here's what I'm trying to do. And you go, ah, oh, I see. And here's what I'm trying to do. Like, ah, oh, I see. And we can then figure out how do we help make both of those things happen. Um, so the this idea of like everyone's like very goal focused, but kind of like siloed about it and this like competitive vibe. Uh, another coach and I started to bring the whole group together for you know, agile lunch and learns, um, kind of like a like accelerator, you know, type sessions. And as we would work through that, you know, we even brought in like, well, what's what's not just like a concept of a definition of done, but what is the definition of done for this group for this code base? You know, can you all agree on what that looks like? And like giving them reasons to collaborate and come together. And um, and having some of those like interactive like learning experiences where they got to know the individuals on the other teams and build up a little bit more trust with them, a little bit more relationship. And then certainly working with the leadership of how can we help promote like what the whole organization is about? And, like what's the vision, uh, you know, like what's the what's the business imperative? Um, that like all of these different projects, all these different teams map into, like, what is it that you're trying to create for your customers and, and for your business, um, you know, for your organization to be successful. And so like working through like these different ways to start to like, I think it's like weaving people together, you know, like they're very like separate threads and like, how do we just start to like bring it together a bit? Um, they became very, very collaborative. Um, and it was, really interesting, um, you know, like later on, I, I really got to see that like the new culture of collaboration uh, and and like supporting people and, and like, you know, learning as like a social activity had sort of taken root when they started to like interact with another group. So it was like, now I got to see a culture clash actually happen. And, and this like group, like trying to promote their own sense of like collaboration and, and learning you know, to this new group that had like come into their world. Um, and thankfully they had, you know, a lot of the skills needed to at least be able to describe, here's what we're about, here's how like we work together, you know, here's the the vision and, and like, here's how our teams do things um, so that they could try to bridge that gap between where they were and that other group. 
Mm. God, I would love to see. I would have loved to be a fly in the wall watching all of those teams <laughs> try to collaborate or while they're clashing and how they resolve some of those challenges that they may have ran into. You know, that probably was really yeah, exciting yeah. and fun. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So what words of encouragement would you like to gift the listeners with today? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it's going to sound trite, uh, but be you. Just figure out you and be you. Uh, what do you need? What are your strengths? What's your approach? Like get get clear on that, get grounded in that, uh, and and help help bring that into the world because that's that's the person that we need you to be, not someone else or Gumby or <laughs> uh, a mishmash of you know all the other people that you know um, that you might like look up to, but being able to I, I think get get clear on like, when do I need, you know, space and time to reflect? When do I want to engage with others? For some people, the time to reflect might be looking like it is engaging with others, but um, like kind of knowing like what, what is it that is going to help you, um, you know, feel connected to yourself and and feel most human, I think is um, the thing I would encourage people to take some time and um, go and appreciate that part of yourself too. Allison, you know, as usual, um, it's always so much fun to have these exchanges with you. <laughs> um, and, and I always learn so much. So continue to do what you're doing. And, yeah. and, and thank you for, for giving your time today to just have this podcast conversation. It means the world to me. And one more thank you is, is about writing yeah. that uh, <laughs> the forward for my book, Deliver Value. Um, that's really important to me. So, so thank you so much for that for was that was such an honor. Like I, I am like so appreciative that that you asked and that I, uh, I, I, you know, because instantly when I I saw that you, um, you know, were thinking of me for that, I was like, but it shouldn't it be someone else who's like. And then I was like, no, seriously, I, I think I actually am like the right person for this. Like, let me give myself some credit. <laughs> That's right. Give yourself some grace. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I I, I can't wait to see. uh, Every time I'm like stuck in the improving, you know, name of the company that you work for, but you helping people improve is the name of the new company. Helping improve. Helping improve. No people in between. Helping improve. I love it. Oh, I, I think you're stuck the in the people's implied. The people's implied. I love it. I love it. So th- that's that's beautiful. You know, helping improve. I'll remember that. So yeah. I'm going to close because this has been like such a, a great conversation, and I can't wait to get this out there to the world. So thank you for listening to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Um, I invite you to come back for more insights and perspectives that may help you with discovering your resiliently you. The Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast is streamed on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Google. Thank you, Kiana Brown Hendrickson, for for dropping the music for this podcast. She's my niece, a great talent, and um, she's been kind enough to to share that talent with with this podcast. Uh, This podcast is um, copyright 2022 by Dr. Dave Prunelius and knowledgeshare.org. 
So thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode of the Resiliently You series as we continue to share our stories and experiences. And again, Allison, you know, I can't, I just can't wait to see and hear what's next. Yeah, I know something really cool coming, so yes. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> we'll definitely be in touch. <laughs> so thank you. I'm, uh, <laughs> A game-changing framework for evaluating what it means to create value. Deliver value. Happy contributing people. Satisfied customers. Thriving business. Value is one of those concepts everyone thinks they understand until the moment they must describe it to someone else. Deliver value is essential reading for every business owner, executive, manager, entrepreneur, and anyone who cares about the future of work. What are you waiting for? Get your copy of Deliver Value book right now on Amazon.com. Get your free chapters of Deliver Value book right now on DeliverValueBook.com. That's DeliverValueBook.com. Let's talk about it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.